0: Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to episode 186 of Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George. So glad to have you with us. Uh, Today, we get to have a great conversation with somebody who has done what many of you have done or maybe attempt to do, and that is to follow in your dad's footsteps, to take over the same job at the same location. And whether you're in ministry or not, I think you're gonna get something out of this as we talk to Pastor Nate Ross. Nate is an incredible guy who took over for his pastor father at their church in southern Indiana, right outside of Louisville, and he has done an amazing job of not just keeping the thing going, but taking it even to uh, greater heights. So I'm looking forward to my conversation with Nate, I know you will as well. Uh, Today we are sponsored by Compassion. We're on a mission to sponsor a thousand kids through Compassion. So many kids were left out due to COVID. And now we have an opportunity to step in and for the price of about 40 bucks a month, literally change their lives. Thank you so much to so many of you who have already sponsored kids. Now we get a chance to sponsor more. And so if you've not done this, it's such a great opportunity for you and your family to adopt a child The money goes directly to them, provides medical care, uh, physical care, uh, educational care, and certainly spiritual care as they get plugged into a church. So make sure you check that out. Compassion slash Rusty. Love to have you be a part of that. Well, now we continue on with my conversation with Pastor Nate Ross. Nate Ross, welcome to the podcast. So grateful to have you.
1: Hey, thank you, Rusty. Honored to be with you, my man.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners that don't know about you and and don't know about the great state of Indiana.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, and I'm in the greatest part of it, Southern Indiana. Uh, yes. Where nobody knows uh, the cities down here. But uh, no, I grew up as a, a pastor's kid. My dad's been a pastor my whole life. And so growing up in the church, love the church. And uh, so that's that's really shaped uh, a lot of just my experience in life uh, with, with being a, a pastor's kid. But I've been married. It'll be 15 years in March uh, to Ruthie. And we got three kiddos Uh, Lily, uh, Carter, and Zeke, they are nine, six, and four, and uh, get to be the lead pastor at Northside Christian Church here in New Albany, Indiana. It's just right across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, probably easier to say that, but uh, love where I'm at, love uh, getting to do what I'm doing, avid uh, college sports fan, so I'm in a a great spot here. You're you're familiar with it being uh, from Lexington and all this. We are in the hotbed of basketball Mm. and everything, and so um yeah it's just a little bit about me my man
0: so let's just drill down on sports for a little bit because that's actually my favorite thing to talk about um yes besides of course god Uh, (laughs) but uh southern indiana so there's a lot of people that would swing towards louisville even uk but not talk about it you've got to be a a hoosier fan right
1: absolutely well, and even, okay. and this was part of it. So dad was a worship leader in Bloomington, Indiana for a couple of years for Tom oh. Ellsworth at Sherwood Oaks. So this was early nineties, you know, when, uh, IU, when we, when we were good. And, uh, okay. and so I'm a realist IU fan. Uh, so got to grow up, you know, watching Calvert Chaney and that whole legacy. So it got in my veins early, man. Uh, so, and yeah. then, and then around here it's IU and U Uf- of L fans get along because everybody hates Kentucky. And that's kind of the. There you
0: go. That's the way it. There ro- you go.
1: <laughs> works in this area.
0: Now, do you cheer for Indiana football, or are you a Notre Dame guy like a lot of people?
1: Dude, this is it, man. I, I'm a Notre Dame guy because of that. Except this last year, uh, I got a chance to meet Tom Allen, and we did an interview for church. He was gracious enough to give us an interview, and uh, and now I can honestly say I am an IU football fan. Uh, for the first time in my life. Uh.
0: <laughs> okay, well they kind of they kind of tiptoe around being decent every year.
1: Yeah, we're always on the verge. Even Tom and I were talking about that last year when they beat Penn State. It was uh, it was so much fun to sit and talk with him about it. He he pulled up a picture on on the ESPN. You know they they give you the percentage predictions, and right before yeah. they won at the end. We we were having a cool faith conversation. He said, he pulled it up and he said, We had a ninety nine point nine percent chance to lose. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he goes, I'm he goes, I'm not trying to be over spiritual here, but he goes, Football's football and God's God, but he's like, he goes, With God, all you need is a point one percent. And uh oh, and so good. it was cool, man. Just uh to see him and and we were he was honest with about two going there's a lot of the the cobwebs that you got to fight coming into a place like that. You know, that's the big knock. I got a bunch mm-hmm. of Purdue fans. Uh, one of our elders went to Purdue, and mm-hmm. the big knock on IU fans are uh, you can't cheer for one school for two sports like Purdue fans can. They can cheer for Purdue uh, and basketball. So oh,
0: that's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's, it's, that's a really good point.
1: <laughs> it's fun to, to share I it. always wonder,
0: I always wonder about, you know, how we all, we assume God's involved in our sports loyalties. Uh, I always wonder if, you know, the like that, that situation there, the IU fan then becomes a believer in God because of that. Do the Penn State fans then become atheists? You know, do, they, do they leave their faith?
1: God, you didn't deliver us from this valley. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's right, you must not be there. Okay, well, let's get into the, the deeper stuff here. Um, there's nothing simple about following your dad uh, in any occupation, uh, let alone ministry. Uh, and you did that. So I'd love to know a couple things. First of all, how did you come to work at the same church your dad is at? And then just what are some of the differences between the two of you before we get into the transition?
1: Yeah, it uh, actually, I got youth ministry degree from Lincoln Christian College. And um, stayed on there, did a little bit of student recruiting. And then a youth ministry position opened up at Eastview Christian Church in uh, Normal, Illinois. And did youth ministry for about 18 months. Uh, But what I realized in that 18 months is I'm more of a generalist than a specialist. So nothing was wrong with the church. Mm. Nothing was wrong with ministry. And I, I became that statistic that everybody talks about that typically youth ministers are only youth ministers for 18 months. You know, and it used to be like, oh, people just can't cut it or they're not committed and whatever. I think part of it is uh, people learn their calling in that 18 months. And either they begin to thrive or they begin to go, uh, I might not, this might not be my exact wiring. I just, I love the, I just love the the overall church. And so uh,
2: Mm.
1: I was in a, in a review meeting and they, they asked the question, how long do you see yourself here? And, uh. I didn't know you're supposed to lie in reviews. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I said, uh, "You know, I'm not sure. I don't know." <laughs> and and so that began just to have a bigger mm. conversation of, "Well, let's figure that out." And uh, I actually ended up resigning without a job. Uh, you know, I'd only been married mm. uh, for about it, yeah, uh, literally only uh, a little over a year. But I I knew something was off with with just that role, didn't have anything, literally had one of my friends from Bible College send me a job description from Northside where my dad was at. <laughs> and it was for an involvement associate, not even the involvement pastor it was to be the associate <laughs> to the involvement minister. But it. Uh, he sent it and he goes, dude, he goes, have you seen this? I said, no. He goes, I'm thinking about applying for it. Well, after I read it, I'm like, I'm thinking about applying for it <laughs>
2: mm. because
1: it just, it was a, uh, it dealt with everybody. It, it was a very, um, uh, whether people kind of agree with the Enneagram or not, that's okay. Uh, but I'm a, a two on the Enneagram. So I just like to help people. I don't have to be in charge. Mm. And, uh, and I just, I was like, wow, to be able to help any and everybody and connect people to their next step. And, um uh, so that that began just kind of seeking that out. I, I really didn't want to move home. Part of it was to be in dad's shadow and not that he was against yeah. me coming on. I just, yeah, like any young guy, you kind of want to carve your own path and do your own thing and not have to have that comparison. Mm-hmm. But I, I just couldn't deny what the Lord was kind of doing in that. And uh, so interviewed and um, I ended up taking that job and starting uh, a couple months later. But yeah, so didn't see that coming.
0: Okay. So I, I definitely want to get into the interview process, but go back to generalist versus specialist. I think that's such a great classification. How would you, how do you define those two terms?
1: Yeah. I, I think the, the specialist to me, it's not that they're, it's not that they're, uh, can't lead on a high level. It's, uh, I think there's some people that are just really, really gifted, uh, maybe a little bit more than even others in maybe a specific area. Mm-hmm. So, even in the, even in the realm of preaching, you know, we talk about this a lot too. Uh, every lead pastor, I will say, I'm preacher leader or I'm leader preacher. You know, there's kind of the, mm-hmm. those things, or even in the business world, people will go, man, I'm, I might not be the innovator, but I'm great at the organizational level and I'll get the innovators on board. And then I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll curate a great culture that lets that thrive. Um, so that's what I realized with with student ministry. It was uh, it was just a focused area. Uh, nothing was wrong with the leadership with the church, but I just realized, ah, man, I love to I just love to work with it all and and be around it all yeah. and uh, uh, and I'm a and part of it too is just I'm a collaborator. So I think that might be a way that some generalists would say that they. They just love to collaborate with with a bunch of different people. Some of that's like, mm. man, get me away from working with the, <laughs> that department or get me away from them. Let me just kind of right get my lane and run. But.
0: Mm. That's such a good clarification. I think for a lot of people out there, regardless of their profession, they've noticed there's a there's a disconnect at some point. There's a, boy, I, I'd much rather walk around the office and, Talk to people about various things they're doing rather than just staying in my lane, and others that would just prefer prefer to be left alone. Yeah, uh, that's that's really interesting. Okay, so you decide to apply for this job. Obviously, you talk to your dad about it, yeah. um, and then you go through the interview process. Um, what's the dynamics like there? Because the moment they they see it's you, you know, you got a little bit of a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Yeah. You got a little bit of, oh, it's the coach's kid. He's going to get all the playing time. Yep. Or am I supposed to just hire him because he's, you know, the pastor's dad? Um, what role did your dad have in that? How did you navigate that? And how did people do that well?
1: Yeah, so dad really tried to stay out of it as much as possible and and really let it be everyone else's decision, you know. Uh, and that's part of, you know, hiring great leaders to be able to make those those calls, you uh, and they were they were forthright and honest with me. You know, I was preaching probably twenty to twenty five times a year at uh, at the youth ministry spot, and they were honest with me. They said there is no preaching here. Like, yeah, don't come here thinking that this can be this. Like, and they they really challenged me. How would you help people take their next step? What is you know, uh, and, and made and, and put me through the steps. Even met with some of the elders to. Um, for them to really ask and verify on different things. And, uh, and, and so it was, they, they were really intentional to make sure it wasn't just a, hopefully this could be a good idea. Uh, cause I think sometimes that's when we get in trouble a little bit. Um, we we just kind of hope it works out compared to really doing the due diligence. Um, and and then even the guy that I was coming to work under, he -hmm. was going to take over all the pastoral care and he's like, you help, do the the people side of things of the connection, and so even the alignment between him and I w- was a was a good uh, partnership mm-hmm. uh, making that happen. So those are some of the things we were really looking at: does the team dynamics work? Does the calling piece is that not manufactured, and is this really who I am? You know, with what right. the role is. So
0: that's so good. So how many years did you have that job before? You took a different job there or till you eventually took over for your dad.
1: Yeah. So let's see that. Uh, I came here in the kind of winter, spring. It was like February, March of 08. And I, I probably was in that role for uh, about two years uh, before I moved into any other role. Mm-hmm. Became the Connect Pastor. Uh, that we, we moved into a shifted where not only did I kind of oversee um, uh, that piece, but I began to oversee the weekend mm. uh, team and and bringing that after a while that, then I moved into being the associate pastor uh, for a number of years. Uh, and, uh, and then I'm in my, uh, it, I'll, I'll be completing my fourth year of being the lead pastor at the end of this year.
0: Okay. So let's get into that. Yeah. <laughs> Taking over for dad is tough already but yeah i mean dad did a good job church is over 5000 people just crushing it for years your dad is beloved he's not just a guy that teaches and then disappears out the back door he's literally walking around in the lobby with a bowl of m&ms i mean he's yes. you know loving on people <laughs> and he's he's everybody's pastor yeah um, tell me how the two of you are different let's get that out of the way
1: okay yeah so dad is these will be just some uh, things that might transfer. He's a, he's a type B creative leader, which is, mm. I, it's not just that dad is a rare guy. He is, but he's rare for that type of senior pastor role. Because a lot of times you got to be so driven as, you know, anybody in a, leading a large organization or a large church. Um, so he, and because he's an artist, he's a creative, uh, he's a great visionary within that so Mm -hmm. he's got these great uh visionary things and then he's pastoral and and so all these other things Mm. uh the problem with that is then everybody expects uh you to be (laughs) like that and i can't sing uh one of the biggest things is uh, Dan. i kind of he's um he's a guy who creativity drives the content i'm a content drives creativity
0: ah yes
1: so I'm terrible with the blank page. He loves the blank page. He's like, don't, don't put your, don't put Saul's armor on me. Let me, let me, you know, let me flourish. <laughs> Great metaphor. And, uh, and he does. So that's where just unbelievable innovation and creativity comes from. And, uh, and then I'm, uh, I'm not, uh, total type A, but, You know, I like to make things happen, like to knock them out. Let's get things done. Let's, let's get people together and let's go. Um, and again, more of that. I I enjoy people a lot, but just his pastoral, I mean, he he texted me last night.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, did you know so-and-so has got cancer? I'm going to text him right now. And I'm like, you know, Mm. the, the capacity and the desire for all of that is just, it's through the roof. Uh,
0: was that hard for you to kind of say, that's not me, this is me?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I and and not that I don't love people. I think what was hard is even just facing myself going, uh, I can't do it as well as he can.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> you know, there's a, mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit more of the stuff I battle with anyway. Sometimes the insecurities on those types of things is, you know where you need to be better and, uh, and all this other stuff. And then you just kind of. You you have to you know work through that. Uh, somebody said this though. You know we, uh, we we've kept him on as our teaching pastor, and uh, somebody's like, "Boy, you got big shoes to fill." And I'm like, "No, I don't. That's why I'm keeping him on staff. That way I don't have to <laughs> that way I don't have to fill his shoes." <laughs> uh, and so that you know that's a little bit of a different uh, dynamic keeping him on staff. But but those are some of the big things of just wiring just just the core of who we are. And I think that was a little bit of the whiplash because dad would be a, a lot more, uh, it's not that he didn't have vision, uh, but I remember he he walked the elders through one theological discussion uh, for three years. He was willing to have uh, a discussion for three wow. years. Uh, and it was, you know, there uh, there's, there's big, you know, there, there's big, uh, things within our our brotherhood. And, and one of it was, uh, the women's role in serving. And Mm -hmm. one of the things back in the past was, uh, could women serve communion, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and can we do that? And dad was willing to have the conversation for three years with them. And what he knew was you can't rush this stuff. You can't, you, you can't just, uh, you know be bullish and mow people over on this stuff you got to be willing to sit with them and talk with them and go with that and uh, mm-hmm. you know so I, I, I get a I get a reap a lot of what he's sown into this that I, I have no idea the, the full extent of what he's done mm-hmm.
0: Excuse me for one moment while I interrupt this conversation to remind you about a chance to sponsor kids in third-world countries. If you have not already gone to Compassion.com slash Rusty, will you choose to do that today? Maybe over dinner tonight with your family, decide to sponsor a child and change their life forever. Compassion.com slash Rusty. Thanks so much. Back to the episode. Were people gracious to you? I mean, did you have the... uh you know, the, the person that had been there forever say, well, you know, your dad would have done it this way. Do you have any of those experiences? No, they
1: just left. (laughs) No, no, they, uh, uh, no, not, you know, people have been really kind and gracious, you know, and they're, and, and, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, I'm, I was, you know, 35. He was 62. That, I mean, that, Mm. that, that's a, that's a hard thing i've got uh you know i have some ministry experience but i don't have lead pastor experience right you know and uh,
2: right it's just
1: it, it transitions are hard so there, there's got to be grace on that nobody was a jerk i, I feel like nobody was that yeah. you know uh to me but yeah they just <laughs> left that's good
0: yeah <laughs> I know I, when people leave and I don't know, I get frustrated cause they didn't tell me. And then when they tell me, I get frustrated you that they did. Me, you know? So there's just no, and that's right. There's just no easy way to do it. Okay. So the two of you are working together for a few years. When did you both know that you're the guy? You know, Did he decide it's time for me to think about retiring and let's do a search and oh, Nate, throw your name in the hat. Or was it more of a, nope, he's the heir apparent and we're going to start this process? Yeah. Yeah. We run on policy governance here. So even dad
1: couldn't name me as the guy. Uh, okay. So
0: that had uh, been set up years before. Yep.
1: Yeah. So put that in. So it's a, it's an elder selected deal on that. Um, and we brought in some consultants. You know, Doctor Walker came in, uh, walked uh, with the board. You know, through that from uh, Blessing Ranch Ministries, and then uh, we brought in William Vanderblumen as well,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just to have. Uh, and he got to meet with the elders, and he got to meet with key leaders, just to get feedback from them. Mm-hmm. And his big his big question that he uh, asked the elders uh, in all of this was: Do you want to keep the culture the same, or do we need to change the culture? Hmm. because he said before you start doing a na- national search and before you even just think Nate's the guy, you need to answer that question.
0: Wow. That is such a great question. Do you want to keep the culture the same or do you want to change it? Okay. So what was the answer? They wanted to keep it. Okay.
1: You know, cause, cause dad told him, he said, if you guys want to change it, I get it. And I'm not going to fight you on it and I'll, I'll bow out. I'm not going to try and stay here. You know, and make it a, a difficult thing. Um, and, and, you know, he didn't have, he didn't have any, he, he didn't put any stipulations on it either. He knew he, he had battled some health thing. He's got uh, irregular heartbeat and some other things going on. And so he knew, uh, he was honest with the elders going, I got a couple of years left, but like, I'm not like, we're, we're not gonna be able to keep running, you know, at, at, at the pace we need to. Uh, mm-hmm. and so he knew he'd be slowing them down. So he was honest with them in that. And, um, and then they just, they had honest conversations. They took a year to interview me. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: they knew they didn't want to change the culture. They decided on that, but, and they've known, you know, the elders were great. Uh, and they had known me, but they, they hadn't known me in that way. You know, I wasn't in the monthly elder meetings. I'm not in all this other stuff. So they don't know me uh, in that way. So that it we took a year, allow me to ask questions, allow them to ask questions of me, Um. Uh, you know, through that. And then, uh, and then after that year, they made the decision.
2: Uh, mm-hmm.
1: so
0: you were the guy, how'd yeah. you feel when they told you that?
1: Well, it, uh, it was kind of cool. Cause it was, uh, uh, it was, I think it was November 2nd. I think it was, uh, 2016. Yeah. And, uh, cause we did a year transition and it was the night, The Cubs won the World Series, and it was the anniversary (laughs) of my engagement to Ruthie. So it was like, Hmm. yeah, this is fitting. It's like the trifecta, man, Uh, of of all that. So it was, it was neat just getting to meet with the chairman that night and just say, hey, we we, we want to extend this offer to you. And um, you know, I I Ruthie and I had talked if they were gonna if they were gonna offer, we were we felt good about accepting that. And uh, and it took a year to transition
0: what um what what did the what did the transition look like? You said you took a year there. I mean, they obviously let the church know and and you begin this process of passing the baton. What all was involved with that?
1: Yeah, so it it began to uh move me more into uh, Preaching a little bit more but then more into the oversight of the day-to-day So I was already overseeing as the I was already seeing all the ministry teams, but now Starting to speak into all the operational pieces and all the 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 oversight of that So getting to be a little bit more hands-on with those things. We did something six months before uh, the transition happened Uh, dad gave his permission we brought in intentional churches and we just did a great uh, overall evaluation. Uh, we even did a customized day where we got 12 of our top leaders together in the room with, this, uh, with these consultants, and they went through a full day of all of their exercises to get answers from them, and there were no uh, leadership team in the room.
2: Mm.
1: And so we wanted, we wanted full, uh, unfiltered feedback from them. And then the next day, the elders and myself and dad got to be in in the room and we, you know, we got to go through the exercises ourselves. And so it just allowed for some great honesty, some great transparency. And then it allowed us to really identify what what were going to be the agenda things we needed to go after in this first year of transition. Mm -hmm. You know, we we had some, and not issues in bad ways, but we had, like any church, we all got things that we're trying to figure out. It just identified them. It got everybody on the same page so we could get some momentum going into that year. And that was, it was really helpful.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Okay. So you, you take this over and there's a lot of, of wisdom out there that says, even if it's just changing the paint color of the office, you should change something immediately just to show that you're not afraid of change to let them know a new day is here. I mean, you wanted to keep the culture the same and this is your dad. And this and this isn't a train wreck. You're not picking up the pieces over a, a moral failure or a devastation in the church or decline. Right. Did you find anything that you could try to create as a problem to solve or a change to make in your first year as lead pastor?
1: Yeah, one of the phrases that kinda uh I operated by then and, and still use to today is um uh, the need leads you know, and and go, just be honest about what the greatest need is. And sometimes the greatest need, especially in a transition like that is for people just to know you. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's actually better to not do anything (laughs) because you go, the greatest need is to build just trust. Right. Other times, like what you said, sometimes you got to come in and you got to, you got to let them know, I see it and I'm doing it. I think inadvertently that retreat, six months prior Mm -hmm. was the change because what, what we did was we said, we're going to talk open and honest about what's not, what's great, what's not great. And what do we need to go after? And I think just having that moment, uh, created everything for us.
0: Mm -hmm. How did you celebrate your dad? uh, publicly, you know, on stage and all that, what would the church do to kind of say thank you? Cause how many years had he been there? 18. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, 18 years. And you know, all the massive growth and everything came under his leadership. Uh, so we, we did a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, we made these cause he grew up as a pig farmer, like his dad, my grandpa was a pig farmer. So he grew up on the farm and, uh, at one of our nights of worship, we celebrated him and, uh, we made 2000 shirts. Uh, they were like the baseball tee shirts and it said Ross farms, uh, (laughs) where, where, where God gives the increase and had a pig on there, you know, and you know, the whole first Corinthians three of Uh I planted Paulus watered, only God makes things grow, you know, and it's just kind of going,
2: yeah, this has just been
1: the, the Ross farm. It's like, you didn't make this thing grow god did but you planted and watered well for 18 years and yeah. and we gave gave everybody everybody it's kind of a big oprah moment there you know so get everybody a t-shirt and then on the weekend <laughs> uh what was neat was uh, uh actually and uh, you know him uh so gene apple you know dad was gene apples uh worship pastor out at central uh in las vegas
2: hmm.
1: one weekend uh to surprise dad, poor guy. I let him prep a whole sermon and I walked out and interrupted his sermon. (laughs) He was, he was, you could kind of see like, what are you doing, man? And, uh, we pulled out a recliner, had him take a seat on the stage and we had flown Gene in and, and Gene had, uh, just had a great word, uh, celebrating dad and honoring him. And, uh, and so to bring in kind of one of his ministry heroes to to do that. And then we had uh, a couple of people send some videos mm-hmm. on the weekend and uh, just getting to do a couple of different things, did some neat uh, gift things for uh, mom and dad. We tried to get them to go to Hawaii. They still haven't cashed it in four years later. It's just kind of, <laughs> but we tried, <laughs> they never yeah. been.
0: That's all you have That's to it, do. man.
1: That's it. <laughs> That's right. Dad, if you're not going to use this, this next year, I'm going, that's the,
0: uh, <laughs> that's right. I'll take that. That's great. Okay. So Nate, just kind of final words here for people that, uh, maybe it's, a, a you know, a parent getting ready to head to hand over a business or a church to yeah. their son or daughter. I mean, what three things or two things, five things should they do and they shouldn't do? What, what would you say? Having been through this?
1: Yeah. You know, back to the culture, I think you just, uh, the first thing I'd say is address the culture issue. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you really do have to do that uh, because just because somebody's related doesn't mean they're the same. Uh, mm-hmm. Matter of fact, a guy here in our town, great business owner, comes to church and he bought the, his business from his dad. And uh, they were running probably a couple hundred million. And this year they'll be close to a billion dollar company. Wow, totally, totally different personalities. Mm-hmm. Totally different, and you know, just in talking with him, he he knew the culture. They wanted to keep it, but he had to. He had to. He had to be the type of leader he was. Yeah, and so that's the first thing is. He just improved on the culture but he he did it in his way
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and he's just wired different so I, my, my first thing is just be honest with the culture is there a culture change that needs to happen mm-hmm. in the business mm-hmm. and if so it doesn't mean that the last person was a failure i think it's like cut some people some slack you know um, mm-hmm. but the second thing is you know you, you've got to be you, the thing you have to do is you, you have to be honest about who you are as a leader mm-hmm and and really go after that. And so you can build the team around you that that you need. That was one of the hardest things for me, even in leadership. Uh, I was reactive to dad's vision. Well, now I'm supposed to be the proactive visionary. Hmm. And then I didn't know how to do that, which means I've got to have a whole different team around me. So I think you got to go culture, then you've got to go team. And part of, I think the team can be built by doing, uh, I had a mentor tell me this. He said, never under he goes the most neglected thing a leader does is listen Mm. he said just go on a listening tour Mm -hmm. just ask some general questions hey what do you see what's this he goes
2: Mm -hmm.
1: everybody he goes you any of the problems you already see he goes 90 to 95 percent. the answer is already there and the people already know nobody's asked for the answer Mm. and i think that's just something good um you know, for people to do. And then I think, you know, one of the, the, the last things I would say is as you move into that role, uh, it is your responsibility to steward the life of the person who's transitioning out. Mm. Uh, and Vanderblumen said it too, that transitions can only go as well as the person who's leaving. Hmm. So the person coming in, you might be the right person, but the transition will actually not go well depending upon how the person leaves and, and people get to make choices. But I think that's part of it too, is as, as the incoming person, uh, your job is to steward them, uh, to do for them what maybe they might not ask for or, you know, necessarily, Hey, I think you guys should really throw me a party. Well, that's on, you know, Uh, you know, they're not going to ask for it if they're the right type of leader and those types of things, but it's going to be on the incoming person to steward, you know? (laughs) What are you thinking, man?
0: (laughs) Oh, well, I'm thinking that all of us know somebody who's playing their own surprise
1: party. (laughs) No, that's right. That's, I didn't want to say it, but I didn't want to say it, but you got it. (laughs) We've all known those people, right? (laughs) Oh
0: man. It's so good.
1: But yeah, no, and I think uh, just the, the do not thing is, uh, uh, this is probably the biggest thing and, and people can run with it is do not ignore self care in that first year. Hmm. Uh,
2: yeah. man, I,
1: you know, there were so many insecurities and things that got revealed into me that, uh, in that first year that the workload increased and it and it just felt like the wheels were spinning because I'd never prepped that much before. And I never, you know, it, it just uh it was it's just a whole new ball game, and I'm going the temptation is to feel like just keep it keep running hard, and it's like no go yeah, do not neglect the new rhythms that you need to develop for your soul,
0: yeah, oh, that's really good, well, Nate, this is fantastic, man, if people want to connect with you or ask you more questions about following dad or yeah iu football uh how would they get a hold of you (laughs) yeah
1: uh you can just go to mynorthside.com and uh i got an email on there N ross at mynorthside.com my assistant uh she manages for me so she gets it to me and and i love to chat that's the thing about me man i like this stuff fires me up so the chance (laughs) just to at the chat, or if people have some like suggestions on like, Nate, this is what you should do. I'll take those as well, man. So,
0: (laughs) well, and to all of our listeners, I would echo that. Nate's just the real deal on and off stage, a great guy and loves to laugh and talk. And so definitely connect with Nate. He'd be glad to help you out. So buddy, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on Rusty.
0: Well, that was fantastic. I love Nate. I love what he has to share. And you might know somebody that needs to hear that, that could be encouraged by that. Maybe somebody that's following after their dad. Maybe somebody that's following in their parents' footsteps or maybe a pastor that's walking in a large legacy from somebody else. Make sure you share this with them. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. That would help us a lot. Get the word out. And make sure you're And make sure you go to compassion.com slash Rusty, sponsor a child there today. Next week we'll be back as we talk to one of my heroes in ministry, a guy that lived a legacy of incredible work, built an incredible church. His name is Dr. Leroy Lawson. He uh, ran a Bible college, he ran a church, he authored multiple books, even wrote commentaries. And he's really funny. I think we're going to have a great conversation uh, next week. Make sure you're back with us. Until then, always keep it simple. We'll talk to you then. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.